All right, welcome back to another episode of 90th Percentile. This is Jeff Ponce of Baseball America. Alongside me today, I'm very excited to bring in a fellow Massachusetts native, uh, Nick Ahmed, shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Nick, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm excited to chat with you a little bit about some of the things you're doing off the field as well as on the field. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for having me, man. It's always good to connect with a fellow Massachusetts guy in the game of baseball. There's not a ton of us out there, but uh, to know that some are out there and get connected with them is always special. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we, we were chatting offline for the last couple of weeks. Um, you connected with me about some of the stuff you were doing with uh, Seven Pillar Health and Performance, a company that you had founded yourself. Um, so let's get right into it. Talk to me a little bit about sort of the genesis, how this company came about, what the focus is. And I guess we can we can jump into the Seven Pillars after that. Yeah, so my brother Mike and I um, have started this company called Seven Pillar Health and Performance. It's basically birthed out of our desire to give back everything that we've learned over the years and our own pursuit of optimal health and peak performance on and off the field. So we basically compiled and been researching things for our own personal careers. My brother played seven years in minor league baseball, uh, coached for one year with the Mariners organization, and we basically just been studying this to apply it to our own lives. Um, we've had our own health challenges along the way in some of these different pillars and basically took health into our own hands and said, hey, we're going to we're going to master this and take ownership over it the best we can. And we basically figured out solutions and, and optimal ways to live within each of these seven pillars. And now we want to give it back. We've been blessed to be around some of the best people in the world and the things that they do and the things that they teach. And I've seen massive results in my own life and just want to give that back to the next generation of athletes and baseball players. Yeah. And I mean, you've had a, a storied sort of uh, baseball career, you know, coming from Western Massachusetts, not necessarily a hotbed for baseball. Right. Um, you know, East Longmeadow High School, um, you know, not only, you know, were you somebody who excelled you know, on the field in multiple sports, also in the classroom. You then go matriculate to UConn. You play on, I would argue maybe one of the best teams in the history of the Northeast, like collegiate programs. When you look at the talent that was on that squad, I mean, how many guys that played in the major leagues were on that team? Five, six, um, maybe even more. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a guy that I think has played himself um, into a position, you know, to be a gold glover, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. Um, it takes a lot of commitment to the craft to get to that point. Obviously you have natural abilities, et cetera, but let's talk a little bit about, you know, how some of these things that you've adapted um, to your program were sort of birthed out of, I guess, your come up and, and your experience over those years. Um, you know, we'll talk about the seven pillars we're mentioning here, spirit, mind, lifestyle, nutrition, relationships, um, fitness, recovery. I think fitness, recovery, nutrition, probably something that most people are pretty familiar with um cliche almost but i think the stuff that's most interesting to me is sort of you know spirit mind lifestyle relationships the the the, the mindset that you have to take day to day to become the best sort of where was that birthed out of yeah so my journey basically started as a kid growing up like you said in small small town western massachusetts and i was obsessed man i just love baseball i love sports I love getting to compete each and every day. I had two brothers, an older and a younger, so kind of built-in competition right there. 
And then I got to play football and basketball and baseball and all these different sports and, and just developed a passion for playing all sports. And then as I got older and went off to college, it just focused on baseball. And part of that was great because I had a phenomenal work ethic. I got reps in. I got better each and every day and season that I played. But the difficult part of it was that I got my identity so wrapped into me, Nick Ahmed, a baseball player, that I couldn't separate it from who I was as a person. And that kind of leads into the spirit and mind discussion is that, you know, when I started to hit adversity, really happened in the minor leagues a lot. I got traded to the Diamondbacks and the Braves and I was in the minor leagues and that was difficult transition, just trying to be a, a young kid thrown into a new organization and, you know, just trying to prove yourself and not knowing anybody. Then I had a long distance relationship going with my wife who were engaged at the time. That wasn't going phenomenal at the time either. And then on the field, I just sucked. Like, honestly, I was the worst baseball player, you know, probably worst professional baseball player for those two months, first two months of my double A season. And all that adversity kind of cumulated into me basically having to reach out to God and learn how to have a different identity and learn how to do life differently. So uh, I got to a verse when I was reading the Bible for the first time in in, uh, the book of James. It says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And for me, that was just like a wake up call. I was like, man, I'm having all these trials and difficulties and everybody goes through it at some point in their lives. And I wasn't handling it well. Right. I, I could couldn't sleep when I go back to my hotel room. I just, just worried about my future, feeling like my dream is going to get ripped out of my hands every day. I go to the park and thought I was going to get released. So I had this identity crisis. I had to learn to figure out. And ultimately, I put my faith in God. And from that point on, I've had a a transformed life. Right? It hasn't been without difficulty and trial and circumstances that were challenging, but I've had a new way to handle it with a new spiritual connection to God and a new mindset to how to actually persevere through that adversity. So I see it all the time, man. The the statistics are frightening with how many, you know, athletes, baseball players end up, you know, when they're done playing addicted to drugs or alcohol or divorced or bankrupt. And that's all birthed out of the identity crisis is that people don't know who they are and they can't separate their identity as a person and their value and worth as a human being from who they are as a baseball player. And then when their career is over, they just, they just don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn to. They don't know who to, to lean on. So we want to keep those two pillars front and center for sure. And just teach the young athletes like, Hey man, you are more than just a baseball player. You are more than what the box score says. And then once you get to that place where you understand who God says you are, then you can actually be freed up to go out and perform, right? With no strings attached, right? Because now I'm free. Now I can go out and, and just be present to the moment, not worried about the future, not trying to change the past. And then I can just attack the moment and attack that day or game the best of way I can. Yeah. And was that sort of the, the uh, was it the trade? Like what, what was the aha moment um, where, you know, you sort of, like you said, you know, you read that verse uh, from the book of James. Um, where everything sort of started to click, you started to feel, I guess, you know, let you were more in control from day to day, at least in terms of like your emotions, your mindset, your approach, and just that, that like centered feeling. Cause I, I mean, I can definitely understand it. Having come from another career, you know, I was in sales for 16 years. I was doing this yeah. inside. It was incredibly frustrating. And I think that like, you know, being centered with my family, my kids, um, you know, m- my faith, all those sort of things allowed me to become very centered as a person and eventually reach my goals. So like I can relate to that, though it's not physical. <laughs> it's more with yeah. words and content, things like that. But um, so I'm interested because I feel like I had like a big aha moment 
sort of during the pandemic where like I started to, I was around my family more. I think you started to just think differently a little bit. And, you know, that allowed me to sort of like take another step and just have a much more like uh, positive sort of mindset. So, you know, was it post-trade? I mean, where was it that like things started to click and, and you really started to feel comfortable within your own skin? Yeah, that's awesome. You're sharing that. And everybody goes through it, right? It's not just athletes. People have difficulty all through life. And especially nowadays with social media and the way people compare themselves to other people, uh, it, it's really pervasive everywhere. So for me, after I got traded, I ended up going to double A here with the Diamondbacks. I had an incredible manager. His name was Andy Green. And like I said, I was going through all the difficult stuff and not really knowing how to handle it. And he would call me into his office in the beginning of that season there. And I remember the, the little brown leather sofa he had in his office and just picture going in there. And every time my heart sank when he called me in his office, because I thought I was going to get released, right? I had no frame of reference or context for being talked to, you know, that consistently or that often by the manager or head coach, you know, thinking about college or high school in that type of way. And every time I'd go in and didn't get released, he just would sit me down and say, hey, man, how you doing? And I was just kind of taken back and caught off guard and I didn't really know how to respond. And most coaches that I've had in the past were just very transactional, focused on, you know, how I performed and things like that. So this was kind of the first real professional coach that I had that actually cared about me as a person. And he lived out his faith. He lived out, you know, it in his marriage and the way he coached and treated his players and how he raised his kids. And I could just see the fruit of that in his life. And I was attracted to it and I wanted more of what he had and less of what I had. So he invited me uh, on a road trip to a Bible study in his hotel room, and I had no frame of reference or context to that. I'd been to church a little bit as a kid, but it was never in the relationship context with God. And he opened the Bible for the first time, and I was scared and nervous and you know, felt like an imposter being there. But he just made it very casual, very open. He was very authentic with where he struggled and how God was helping him through it. So he was a big key mentor for me, and that's kind of why the relationship pent uh, relationship pillar is so important too, is because we need people, right? We need people around us to lift us up and encourage us and build us up and do life with. So he was a huge piece of that for me. Uh, and he just really helped me to understand who I was as a person and who God said I was and not basically what my performance was defining me as. Yeah. And I think the relationship piece is so key. Um, you know, you just, no man's an Island, right? Like you got to be able to, you know, do, um, things in your own to a degree, but you need that support system. You know, you need those people around you, especially when you're trying to do something difficult, right? Like um, making it in professional sports is incredibly hard, right? More people fail than succeed. Uh, even those that, you know, play at a high level, play at a D1 level, whatever sport, guys that get to the minor leagues, most of them don't get up to the major leagues. Um, so, you know, there's some survivor bias there, but there's a reason why certain players maybe succeed versus others when other guys might be more talented, right? Um, so I guess, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you're adapting all this approach and helping out young players. Um, I'm interested, you know, learn a little bit about, you know, the other things you're wrapping in the nutrition, the fitness, the recovery, the things that we've, you know, that we sort of skipped over a little bit, um, into sort of this, this holistic program, um, that you guys are doing now at seven pillars. Yeah. So I'll share a little bit about, about what we're actually doing. We have two kind of main components to what we're doing in the platform here. We have an online membership, which is available to anybody. You don't have to be an athlete, but um, you know anybody who's looking to elevate their life and their health and performance in any area, whether you're 
you know, stay at home mom or dad or you're a business person or you're a college student or an athlete, whoever. So all these principles and things that I've learned over the years are going to apply to everybody. So that's open to everybody. We have uh, an email newsletter that I'll go out every week, which is just me sharing different things that I'm applying and doing in my personal life, different content and things that I'm working on that help me to be the best I can right now and things that I just do on a day-to-day basis. So uh, that's a big component to it. Then we have written articles we're going to do online and then we have a big um, list and group of companies that we partner with because at times living a healthy lifestyle, especially in like the food and recovery and wellness space can be very expensive. So I've partnered with uh, 16 or 17 companies already right now. And we're just trying to provide discounts to, to, to consumers and people who are going to be members of seven pillar to give them access to these companies, these amazing companies that are doing some great things in the, in the health space. And on top of the membership, if you'd like to go on a, a real deeper dive, we have individual and group coaching. So my brother is kind of heading up the, the operation on that right now, just as I'm playing and don't have a ton of time. Envision myself We're doing a lot of that with him, but we're doing individual group coaching, right? So it's a deep dive into all of these seven pillars. We have curriculum where we've worked out this, you know, written curriculum basically to take people through. And it's something we've put a lot of time and a lot of research and a lot of effort into. And my brother's already started to do that now with a couple individuals and he's doing it with a couple college baseball programs as well coming up here soon. So that individual group coaching, you can sign up for on our website, sevenpillarhealthandperformance.com. And there's a lot more information on there as well. So those are the two main things we're working on. And we just really believe that these seven pillars are all integrated and they all affect each other. We touched a lot already on the spirit and mind side of it and the relationships. If you have those three of those dialed in and you're really rocking in those areas, but you're running through McDonald's drive through on the way home from your workouts and staying up till 2 a.m. playing video games, like that's going to affect your mindset the next day. That's going to affect your ability to have good relationships, right? So they're all connected. And we truly believe that you have to have all these things dialed in to really live an optimally healthy life. Yeah. And you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your own health journey. You talk a lot, like just in terms of the stuff that's already up on a seven pillar site um, regarding food and nutrition. And, you know, I can say uh, from my own experience, from my own twenties, like, get a job, you get out of school, you know, you're trying to make money, just like achieve all those goals, like health very much. And like your food um, isn't something you think about. I know, like, I was always like a skinnier kid. I, you know, no, no matter what I ate, because I was playing sports, was doing stuff like I always metabolized it. And then I hit like 25. And, you know, double cheeseburgers from McDonald's, like some of that stuff didn't metabolize the way it used to. Yeah. Like you're running around doing all those things. And it wasn't until like my late 20s, early 30s that I got a lot more serious about you know, my nutrition, what I was eating. And that's not to say that like, I haven't had like slips here and there, but um, it makes a big difference. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested in like, when did you really get serious about, you know, what you were putting in your body as well? Yeah. There are two main turning points for me. The first as a professional athlete, right after I got drafted, I'm playing minor league baseball and you go from college where you're one of the better athletes and best players on the team to you get drafted, you're playing minor league baseball, you're a professional athlete everybody was the best on their college team, right? So it's like, man, how do I get an edge on this guy that I'm competing against every night? And I just try to open up every possible avenue to get that edge and create a better, you know, functioning body as an athlete. So I started to dive into nutrition. For me, it was a lot birthed out of strength, right? I was a a scrawnier kid, actually had an accident on the field, a collision with a, a first baseman my junior year of college. 
and I had a collapsed lung and I was in the hospital for 16 days. I lost like 25 pounds. So coming into the draft and going into being a professional athlete, I was like way down and weight and strength. So I was kind of using nutrition as a way to try to get some strength and some weight back to be able to be strong enough to compete each and every day as a professional. So that was kind of the first birth of it. The second was in my mid twenties. After I got to the big leagues, I was running into some really major health issues. I had really kind of chronic and debilitating acid reflux and heartburn. It affected everything from my ability to lay down and sleep at night to, I remember, you know, countless times of being in the on-deck circle at Chase Field, getting ready to go face Kershaw or whoever. And I'm like, man, my chest is on fire right now. I feel like I can't breathe or swallow. And it was affecting my ability to play on the field. It was affecting my ability to sleep, just in constant pain all the time. And I ended up in the hospital. I go see some specialists some GI specialists. And they basically said, Hey, you've got this condition called GERD. There's no way you can heal yourself from it. Here's some pills and you're going to be on them for the rest of your life. And I was just completely shocked and taken back healthy 25 year old professional athlete. They're telling me I have this, you know, essentially incurable condition that I'm going to have to deal with and live with for the rest of my life. I didn't love hearing that. And I'm kind of a person that takes things into my own hands. And I was just like, all right, let's go. So I started to dive into some research and read a ton of books and, and did my best to figure out, you know, what I could do to help myself. And within two or three months, I was off all medication, had no more symptoms. And, you know, seven or eight years later, I'm still going strong and, and helping other people now with their health as well. So it's crazy how many people struggle with that based on the, you know, typical American diet of, you know, processed foods and a lot of carbohydrates and different things like that. So um, those are the two main turning points. And I'm just, you know, seeing the results and seeing how much my body is healed from putting the right inputs, the right food into it. It's just like, man, I'm so passionate about this. I want to help so many people to live a healthier life and get out of pain and chronic disease. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice, not claiming any of that, but I've just studied nutrition. I've studied how the body works and how it processes different foods. And I just want to help people with that. So that's kind of how that was all birthed. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, when you start to, to go along that path and you start to eat better food, um, it's funny people, people like in the early part of any time, like they're changing their diet. Cause it's not, you also want something sustainable too, right? Like you don't yeah. want to do these crash things or something quick. Like you want something that like, you're going to eat stuff that you like, you know, that you want to be able to, you want to eat, but also is like giving you the nutrients and the fuel that you really need you know, for your day to day. And it's, it's beyond like just being an athlete and like physical performance. It's also like the mental side of it. Just, you know, how much clearer you are, um, you know, when you're eating good food, but it's funny, like the change happens, like within like a few weeks to a month, like, you can start to feel it. And I feel like you start to get going and like, it just becomes a part of you and like, whatever. And that doesn't mean that like, you can't still enjoy like, you know, a piece of cake or something on your birthday. Like, yeah. you know, there's still, there's still going to be times that it's okay to like, indulge in something but you know if like you know you got that 80 percent of what you're putting in your body is like good or more like it's a lot easier to like you know maybe take that moment and or or even like to push away like when you do have an opportunity to indulge you maybe shouldn't right yeah uh, so you know i think that i think that's really clear that's really true um what i'm interested in now is i want to learn a little bit more about you know your development um you know as a player you know obviously we talked about you know, how you excelled, you know, as a defender, you're one of the best defenders, I think in infield defenders, probably in the major leagues over the last five to 10 years, uh, you've won multiple gold gloves. Um, is that something that came natural to you? Is that something that you had to put in work? I mean, um, sort of 
how did you how did you become the Nick Ahmed that you know we we've known over the last several years? Yeah, so I get that question a lot because especially coming from the Northeast, there's not a lot of guys who are able to really work at it and take ground balls and be out mm-hmm. on the field for a lot of months of the season, like you know people would be in, in Florida or the hotter states or even the Latin American countries. So I get that question all the time. And for me, I've always loved defense. I've always loved fielding ground balls. And I vividly remember my dad coming home from work and being, you know, seven years old or eight years old and just me begging him, you know, he's tired from a long day of work. And he's like, dad, 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 come out in the yard, hit me some ground balls. And he would do it, you know, and he would come out there. And I thank my dad for that. Just the opportunity to have somebody to be able to, you know, pour into me and help me achieve my goals and dreams. But I've always loved it. I'd stay after practice in high school. My coach would hit me ground balls, you know, till it got dark, basically, and we had to get off the field. And, you know, playing in college, I'm just getting after it with my coach. Um, Chris Padezwa, our infield coach, was phenomenal. Just helped me with some of the technical things that I was lacking. But I've always loved it. I've always worked at it. And most guys just want to go in the cage and hit, right? They want to get their reps in and, you know, track their exit velo now these days and see how far they're hitting the ball and hit tracks and all that stuff in the cage. And I love hitting, too. And I, I work my tail off at that. But I've always loved defense and I've always I've worked at it with the same enthusiasm and effort that I have with my offensive side of the game. Yeah, it's funny because you started like 18, 19, you started to hit for a little bit more power, um, you know, highest home run totals, I think, of your professional career, even in the minors. And you sort of transformed, it seems, more into like a line drive hitter than even like a fly ball hitter. Your fly ball rates didn't jump all that much. Um was that by design? I mean, like, what sort of stuff were you working on? I mean, we, we know the defensive thing. We talked about that. What sort of stuff were you working on in the cage? Um, was it just growing, you know, strength, some of those some of those things, focus? Were there things you were making in terms of tweaks to the swing, et cetera, that allowed you to get to a little bit more power? Yeah, there were a couple of big things. I definitely worked on my swing a lot. I was a very kind of front foot, steep entry to the swing, ground ball, pull heavy type hitter. Coming up, it worked for me, right? I was a really good athlete in high school and college and basically could hit a ground ball in the hole and beat it out almost half the time. So I always had high batting averages through high school and college just based on my athletic ability and hand-eye coordination. But once you get to professional baseball, you realize how good the defenders are and how good the pitchers are, and that doesn't work. So I had to really take my swing and try to get on playing with the pitch a lot more. And like you said, it turned into a lot more line drives and for me to actually hit the ball in the air properly the right way. So you know, doubles jumped up, home runs jumped up. I was able to, you know, not force the launch angle and force the ball in the air, but actually just let it happen naturally. So the second part of it was just understanding my strengths as a hitter, right? What pitches did I hit well? What pitches did I not hit well? And am I chasing, you know, the pitcher's, you know, best location where he's trying to throw the ball most often, or am I staying to my strength in the part of the zone I hit the ball best? So I had to do a lot of that. And I sat down and looked at a lot of the you know, quote unquote analytics and the data it wasn't really called analytics back then, five, six years ago, but um, I had to just look at all that and say, okay, what do I do best as a hitter and how can I maximize my ability to do that and, and take the pitches and not swing at the pitcher's pitches and, and just stay to my strengths. And it's always a struggle and a battle. And especially sure. when you're going out and facing guys like the Grom and Walker Bueller that can dot up the outside corner. It's like, man, like I got to swing at that because they're throwing it there. But it's like, no, like that's not my strength, right? I got to give that to them and, you know, wait for a mistake over the middle of the plate. So um, it's just, yeah, a lot of work on the swing and just getting a better swing path and then putting mm-hmm. putting some effort into like understanding strengths and weaknesses and building a, a solid approach at the plate as well. Yeah, and I think that kind of feeds into, you know, the physical side of things, which, you know, we talked about a little bit and the mental side of things. Like 
knowing what your strengths are, knowing what you should, you know, the times you should uh, attack. It's one thing that I always look at with young hitters, right? My job is to analyze minor league players and grade minor league players. A lot of that is, you know, talking to scouts, evaluators, coaches, et cetera, but also just watching a player like swing decisions or something that like I can track, I can see pretty easily. And, you know, when you see when a guy has a plan at the plate, things typically, even when they're sliding, you know, you get some bad luck on balls and play, you know, approach doesn't really slump so much. So I think that's, I think that's true. That's pertinent. Um, I want to jump in a little bit to some of your teammates because we talked about this off air too. Um, you have an exciting organization right now. The Diamondbacks have, from top to bottom, are just loaded with talent. You've made some big trades this offseason. You know, traded out some guys, you know, some some guys like Dalton Varsho who are obviously very talented players. You got back another really talented player in Gabriel Moreno, uh, Lourdes Guriel Jr., another really talented player. Um, but Corbin Carroll is the guy I want to ask you about. He's one of our top, you know, two prospects in the game right now. Arguably could be the best, depending upon your opinion. Um, but you had sent, mentioned offline just how mature he was. And it was something that struck us when he was by the prospect pad last year. So talk to me a little bit about Carroll and some of these young guys you've been around. Um, and, you know, is it something that, you know, you've sort of maybe given them some advice on on the right way to do things here and there? I know that you're around different players in camp. Yeah, we got an exciting young group, um, you know, a bunch of young pitchers that just kind of cracked at the end of last year and are on their way up. But the position player group, obviously, I spent more time with those guys, and we have a phenomenal group there. A lot of young guys, a lot of very athletic and talented players. The thing I'm most impressed with and like about all of them is they're hungry, right? They want to work. They want to get better. They want to just just have the best career they can, help the team the, the best way they can. So we've had young guys come up in the past here that have had a ton of talent but haven't panned out. But I don't see that with all these guys. I see them hungry. I see the, the desire in their eyes that they just want to be good and want to be great. So Corbin leads the pack for sure with that group. And I've never been around, I told you this off air, I've never been around a young player at that age who is that mature and that, that understands his body and his swing and what he's trying to do on a day-to-day basis like him. So uh, the sky's the limit for him with his talent, his maturity, his instincts. And, uh, yeah, I just try to relish the role now of being an older guy who's been around a little bit try to pour back into these guys. And, you know, that's kind of what seven pillar health and performance is about. It was birthed out of a lot of that. Just my teammates coming up to me, asking questions like, Hey, what do you think about, you know, this mindset or how could you help me with this, with recovery? Do you recommend these supplements? Like what type of things are you taking and doing? So those are conversations we're having all the time with the young guys and, you know, just trying to figure out how we can all, you know, win the inch as our manager, Tori Lovello says, and, figure out how to get better on a day-to-day basis. And that's the fun part is just motivating each other and having a group of guys who are all pushing in the same direction. Yeah, for sure. And um, it kind of leads me to my next question. I'm always interested to ask, you know, older veterans like yourself, you know, been around the game, you know, experienced a lot of success. What do you think is the most underrated part of, you know, being a good player? I mean, this doesn't necessarily even have to be baseball, but, you know, we talk a lot about this, that, skills, tools, everything else. What do you think is the most important thing that we don't talk about? Two things, being a good self-reflector and being able to persevere. I think those two things are like the intangible skills that everybody has to have to be a great player, to take your game from being you know, a prospect to being a, a great major league player to being – you know, even somebody who's not a bit professional athlete, like we need those things to get better in life. We need to know how to honestly self-reflect 
to look at ourselves and say, hey, I have strengths here, I have weaknesses here, and then look at those weaknesses and say, okay, I'm going to develop and formulate a plan, work with my coaches and trainers and everybody else to try to help me get better in this area, not have too much pride and ego to say, no, I don't need help here. I, I'm not, not going to work on that. So just a little bit of humility there, but it's just learning how to self-reflect. And then we're all going to hit difficulties in life. We're all going to struggle at some point. We're going to go through slumps. We're going to go through a two for 30, you know, where we feel like we're never going to get a hit again. And in those moments, can you keep the right mindset? Can you keep going? Can you keep showing up and trusting the process and putting the work in every day, day after day, week after week, you know, season after season. And those are the guys who last and get to play this game for a long time and, you know, to live out their dreams for a long period of time. Absolutely. And you have multiple people in your family who have, uh, experience that yourself and your brother, of course. Um, and you're now bringing that to a, a whole new generation. So why don't you tell the people out there as we wrap up sort of, you know, where they can find you, where they can find more about seven pillar and, uh, it's a brief synopsis on, on what it is you offer. Yeah. So we're putting information out on social media. My two, uh, social media channels are, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I think they're both at neck. 13 is the handle there. You can find more information on there. And then our website is seven pillar health and performance.com. You can sign up for our monthly or yearly membership and then the individual group coaching options as well. Uh, sign up for those for sure as soon as you can, because those spots are limited on the on the coaching side of things. But, yeah, we're just birthed out of, of trying to help people. We want to help athletes in the next generation to live an optimally healthy life, to be able to connect with their spirit, and their mind in a better way, to be able to have a relationship with God and understand that they're more valuable than what their performance on the field says to be able to help them with their nutrition, the relationships off the field, which can be challenging at times, especially, you know, people want to pull at you in all kinds of different directions as an athlete. So learning how to navigate those things and then learning how to recover and, and work out and train the right way and, and things like that. So we're passionate about all these seven pillars. Uh, we want to give back everything we've learned, just being around some amazing experts in their fields uh, and just share that out with the next generation of athletes and help them to thrive in, in every way they can. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I want to thank you for coming on to the 90th percentile. I'm Jeff Ponce and uh, listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out 7 Pillar.